Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello, and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Cynthia Greb. Cynthia has a passion for Native Americans, otherwise known as Indigenous people in the U.S. She has traveled the world to visit and learn about sites considered sacred and culturally significant to Indigenous people in 15 states, such as ancient earth mounds and earthworks. She participated in or witnessed sacred or cultural ceremonies around the United States, and she now offers presentations and webinars on earth mounds and other topics. Welcome, Cynthia. How are you today? Hi, Terry. I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. So nice to have you. So I love your smiling face. This is great. So is the term indigenous people the same as Native American or is there a difference? Well, actually, indigenous can apply to cultures around the world. So all people are descended from indigenous people. There are indigenous Celts. There are indigenous Africans. There are indigenous people in the Philippines and in Japan. They're all over the world. So the indigenous people in Native in in America are Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was in Brazil, they were a little bit insulted that we think of a North America as America because there's also a South and Central America. It's so but, true. Um, so the indigenous, yeah, we think we're everything. You know. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So the indigenous people of this continent are the Native Americans. Yes. Okay. And I know in Australia, they're always talking about the indigenous people as well. I hear that term a lot because I have people from Australia listening. So that's a term they use for their native people as well. And also Aboriginal means something very similar. It's like the first people. Which is true. They were the first right. people. We right. were not. Exactly. Which is another term I sometimes use. I, you know, Native American, first people. I like them both. Yes, that is so, good. Yeah. So how did you become such a proponent for Native Americans? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> because it wasn't until about, I don't know, five to 10 years ago that this passion just really rose up in me. So Is there anything in my lineage? I suspect there is, but it's very hard to prove. And I'm sure it went way back. But I do have ancestors that have been in this country for a very long time. So, of course, of course, there's bound to, you know, of course, it's possible. Right. Right. But also, um, I also believe in past lives. I was going to say that I was this could be a past life of yours. I totally believe in that. And sometimes we pick up on a past life and. And carry it. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I I am not someone who can see my past lives, but I've had many dreams of being a Native American or interacting with Native Americans. Wow. Many, many dreams. And I think those are can be clues. Yes. So my belief is there actually have been many past lives. And one thing that's interesting that I'd like to share is 
in 2022, when I went on this six-month-long journey around the country, I wish I'd brought my map up with me. It's in my car. Because <laughs> um, I took this journey across the country to California, and then I came back the Southern way. Wow. So, And it was six months exactly from the summer solstice to the winter solstice, which was not planned. And I find it that wasn't. very interesting. That is very it interesting. It was not planned. Wow. Neither the beginning, nor the end, nor the length. None wow. of that was anticipated. But- um, at one point on Mount Shasta, which is a sacred mountain in Northern California, I met this woman up there and we had this connection. And she told me at one point that she believed I would be going to many places where I had once lived in another lifetime. See? And I absolutely believe that happened. I've, I had a really profound experience in Montana. Mm-hmm. And when I was sharing about some of these experiences at a place called Circle of Miracles, there's a lot of people there that have these spiritual gifts of, you know, clair, clairvoyance or clairaudience or, you know, they're just gifted psychically. Yes. And some of the people said the places where you went to offer prayers where people had died were places that you had been in, in another lifetime or and the same thing with Carlisle Boarding School. Apparently, I was there. I don't know. There's no way to prove, but it's Amazing. all interesting. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. Well, and you know, they say that men that are very interested in Civil War enactments and everything probably were in the Civil War, might have died in the Civil War. That's why they're so pulled to the reenactment. So I think we are like, I love Europe. So I just feel a kinship there. So I feel like I lived in Europe for a uh, my my ancestors are from Germany, so could have been Germany, but a lot of the countries I feel this kinship with. So I think we do, and we know that, oh, we probably lived there at one time. Right, right. It's interesting stuff, isn't it? I think it, this world is so much more interesting than this linear material world that we're taught about in our schools. It's so much more interesting. And absolutely. we just we, we we've talked ourselves out of all the magic and the mystery. But it's there. We have. And like children up to about age five can sometimes remember past lives. They'll talk about them. And then the mother will say, oh, don't talk about that. That's that's just your your uh, friend or whatever. No, they're remembering past lives. And if we would let them talk and keep that up, they would continue to remember. But we squash exactly. it. So it's exactly. gone. It's a shame. Right. We're also squashing their creativity. Because you right. got to do everything the same way, like everybody else, and and just memorize things. And we are squashing their creativity. Exactly, it's sad. And what do we do in most schools? Well, reading, writing, arithmetic are the most important. How about music and the arts? They just that's the first thing they cut. But that's what some people make a living at. That's part of some people. So, and you learn better when you're doing the arts. Exactly. So why now are I we went- doing that? I. Don't get it. <laughs> I, I went, my grad school was um, created by Matthew Fox, who's this theologian. Do you know him? I do know him. Yes. Okay. He's written like 50 books and I can't read view- most of his books. They're too deep. I bought <laughs> they, them and I'm like, I just can't go there. But I, I do know you. about him. I he's, hear you. He's very well, deep, very philosophical. You've got to really have that kind of background. And I don't. So yeah, he's a he is a deep thinker for sure. Yeah. But one of his beliefs is is um 
education, he would like to revamp it because he believes in right brain and left brain learning. Yes. And so in the grad school, it would be, there would be more, I wouldn't say traditional courses, but they were taught more the traditional way where, and they were like academic courses, right. but they also had what he called art as meditation courses, because he believes that in addition to being taught by someone else or reading someone else's thoughts, right. you you have wisdom inside you that needs to come out. So in addition to uh, learning from other sources, he believes that our wisdom can come out and that the arts are the way for that wisdom to be expressed. So there are many courses that were called art as meditation courses, mm. and they might have been about sacred dance or drumming or um, Tai Chi or, you know, sacred songs or whatever, or indigenous ritual. I mean, there were a lot of really juicy courses like that's that. That's great. So, oh my God. Yeah, I love so great. It. Because yeah. what do boomers do? We're finally getting in touch with our inner self and finding that wisdom. And we're all bringing it out in different ways. Like I love to talk. So I started my podcast and I get all kinds of other women talking about so many different times and men, a lot of men too, but they're talking about, they wrote their first book in retirement or you, how you came, got in touch with uh, the native Americans and you feel like that's part of your heritage. So I think once we get a little older, we can do that. In the beginning, you're busy having kids and, you know, going back, making to school, money, making money, doing all that. But then as you get older, you can set some of that aside. And we have time for all these wonderful things to bring out the creativity. And I love drumming, just love drumming. So there's so many good things to do. There really are. Like I'm going to Florida when, when I sell my house and, uh, and I'm able to move down South. My friend loves playing cards. I'm not going to be one of those card players. I'll join a drumming group or a comedy group. There's so much to do. And that's why I like the villages. Cause there's 150,000 people, 55 and over. So you can always find someone that you can connect with, but I'll be doing the dancing or the drumming or, you know, something like the comedy. I will not be sitting there playing cards. Not for me. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> Good I for already, you. I already told her I'm not that she loves it. I said, that's fine, but that's not me. Not going to do it. <laughs> okay. Good for you. Yep. Yep. So um, you traveled to Maui, Hawaii for the, indigenous mind program. So what was that about? Yeah. So um, this was one of the courses um, of uh, not courses. It was an emphasis of study in my grad school. Um, it was founded by a woman named Apila Colorado, who has a PhD. She is uh, was raised on an Oneida reservation, mm. but like many Native Americans, there is was some intermarriage. So she also has Frank ancestors. So I was very attracted to this program and I really wanted to go. I had no idea it would involve so much travel to Maui, which was very expensive for a poor grad student. Oh, I like know. Me. It is very it expensive. Very yep. expensive. Yep. But um, but it was worth going there because she was married. She had ended up, I guess it might have been her second marriage, to a native Hawaiian man. Oh. So we had the wisdom that she knew from her tradition, the wisdom that he knew from his people who were part of the, I believe he was part of the royal family. He was there for a long time in Maui, His he and his right. ancestors. Right. So we would visit sacred sites in Maui and 
we would have all these elders from different traditions around the world coming and teaching us. But the primary thrust, in my opinion, was she wanted each of us to explore our own ancestry so we could recover our indigenous traditions. I love that. Yes. It was beautiful and very wise. If you're interested, go to WISN. Worldwide Indigenous Science Network, ah, W-I-S-N. Okay. Yeah, so- and I'll put um, that in the notes too, so people can, if they can't write it down, not W-I-S-N, okay. okay. Yeah, it might be .org, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so as a result of this course of study, I went to England and Wales. Um, dreams took me there. Um, wow. Wales, in, Wales in particular, huh. um, I was home because- um, my I was guided to come home and I got home from New Mexico. I was came to stay with my parents. And like three days later, my mom had this huge heart attack. <gasps> so my intuition got yes. me where I needed to be. Right. So it was during this time that I had this very powerful dream one morning where my um, great grandmother on my dad's side came to me in a dream, didn't say anything. She just had her arms open like this with a big smile. And that was after, that was the day after I was told directly three times that it was very important for me to go to Wales. Wow. And, and I you really, when knew you what get Wales was right. I mean, and you, when you I get these, my wavelength. right. But when you get these messages, you really need to follow through. You really exactly. do. You don't Some get like, don't. direct messages like that very often and spoken three times. Three. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they I wanted said, to make sure you got the message. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm happy to go. Just get me the money, you know? Right. right. <laughs> and you know what? There's ways of getting it. In fact, your friend, Trisha Gallinger, um, I interviewed her a couple times, but the last time it was about this trip that she manifested. She wanted a trip and she put it out to the universe that I'm looking for someplace to go. And darn if she sits next to a person in church, they become friends. And that woman invites her to Argentina, I think. I think it was Ecuador. Oh, Ecuador. Where? Yeah. And I know. She's amazing. She's, She's amazing. amazing. So She's all of us can person. do it. If we really tried, we just have to put more effort into it, but she is. So yeah, we can, we can manifest anything we want. And I think it's important to go back to our roots. And, and I think, you know, what younger people need to know is the American Indian, we made so much fun of them because of their dancing there. They really had a lot of wisdom. They knew what they were doing. They were talking and communicating with the earth and they had so much more wisdom than we're even today than we're aware of. Right. Yeah. It's right. so important. And I love that you're trying to get that message out because it's an important message. Well, the sad thing is, as I was thinking about this, I just realized it. it's so much of that indigenous, uh, the traditional knowledge is being lost because so much of their way of life has been changed because so much of their land was taken away. Yes. And even more than we realize, like we know, of course, here in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, there's very few Native Americans anywhere around here, right? right? right. There are the Muncie Lenape up in the New York area, Nanticoke Lenape, New Jersey area, and there are some Lenape people in the Poconos and the Eastern area. So, but most of us don't encounter them. So it's hard for us to learn about 
the breadth of yes. these people that are yes. all over the country. Like, did you, how many, do you know how many different tribes there are? No, Terry? no clue. No clue. Uh, I don't think, I don't think most people do. Nope. Um, federally recognized tribes, 574. Wow. wow. That's how many are recognized. And there's right. like 200 more that they don't right. recognize. Wow. And I think your average person would be hard pressed to, 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 to name 10 tribes. Oh yeah. I could maybe do five if I really thought about it. Nishamani, because the Nishamanis were near here. So we have a mall named after them and there's an Indian sitting on top of a rock. But you know, the younger people have no idea that the Nishamani mall was named after the Nishamani. Shamani Indians. They have no clue. Terry, I'm not sure there was a Nishamani tribe. Oh, the tribe wow. in this area is Lenape. Okay. So uh, the Lenape Indians, which means the people. The people. Uh, many, of the, many of the traditional names mean the people because oh, okay. when the Europeans would ask, you know, who are you? They would say the people in their own language. Right. So, but anyway, Nishamani is one of the place names I researched. And oh, it, how about that? So the Nishamani Creek is 41 miles long. It's a huge creek. Yep. And the name means place where we drink twice, which is a very wow. odd thing. But apparently it's because a certain part of the creek, the water slows down and the direction uh, shifts and the water actually flows back onto itself. Oh, wow. So they could be drinking in the same place and it's w water that just flowed past them returns. Right. Oh, that makes Isn't sense. Isn't that interesting? Oh. So- do you yeah. know, I did live on the Neshaminy Creek for a couple of years. And the one winter I was there was one of the really bad cold, cold, cold winters. So the whole creek froze. And I had like two little babies at the time. We walked the creek and we could see all the backs of everyone's houses because it was so solid. We didn't worry about falling in. And we walked wow. up and down. It was only that one year. Never happened since. But we yeah. lived there then. And then, of course, we got flooded once, too. So yeah, it floods right. a lot in that area, but it was so right. interesting to walk the creek. Amazing. Yep. And you're bringing up something I also wanted to mention, which is um, I just learned how important water is and was to Native Americans because, of course, they could drink water back then. Now we polluted the world so much we can't even drink from the rivers and the creeks anymore. No, no, we can't. But their villages were we're next to uh, creeks and rivers and springs. Right. And the mounds I learned when I was traveling around and visiting these ancient earth mounds, which again, we don't learn about in school. No. There are thousands of earth mounds in the country. This picture behind me wow. is, yeah. is, is not an earth mound. It's the perimeter of a circle. So it's called an earthwork. This is the Newark Earthworks in Ohio. And the circle is perfect it's perfect wow and it's a thousand feet in diameter and this wall around them this earthen wall is between um like five to 15 feet high so it's amazing the the things that they created that we don't know about yep. that indicate the depth of their knowledge and and you know they would have to have done this over m probably many years yep. many people lifting baskets of earth and you know, yep. it's just remarkable. And there's a lot of alignments with the stars and the sun and the moon. So, so much more knowledge than we, than the average person has nowadays. Absolutely. So it sounds like the mounds are kind of like the pyramids in Egypt. 
Some of them are for sure. Some of them align with the stars and their spiritual meetings to it. And just so much more than just a mound of dirt. That's just exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I, I probably should mention that there are several kinds of mounds. Some are burial mounds. Some are effigy mounds in the shape of animals. Like there's a serpent mound in Ohio that is just gorgeous. Wow. Very sinuous and lovely. Wow. And then there are these huge ceremonial sites where, um, like this Cahokia site, which some people have seen documentaries about, is in Illinois near the Mississippi River near St. Louis. And the largest mound, Monk Mound, is like three football fields in length. It's huge. Wow. And there's several tiers and there's stairs to the top of it. And at one point there was um, there was a building there, which of course is gone now. But right. a lot of these huge ones used to have buildings up top. And of course, the archaeologists and historians are theorizing what were those buildings? And they right. usually come up with it was some leader or maybe it was a medicine man or whatever. But I think it's very interesting because um, I think it's very hard for archaeologists and historians to think out of outside the box. Absolutely. They're influenced by our life, right? right? Our own life. When I came to North Carolina, um, there is a place called Franklin, which is kind of the center of the eastern band of the Cherokee. Mm-hmm. Most people think almost all the Cherokee were on the Trail of Tears and they're in o- in Oklahoma, but there were quite a few that either hid in the mountains or escaped. And so there is a substantial Eastern um, brand, Eastern tribe, Eastern Cherokee tribe. Hmm. So I loved being there. I found, I went to a mound there that was really important to them. And what I learned was on top of the mound was a council house. That makes sense. Talk about the wisdom of the native people. We have such hierarchical governments, right? We have kings and we have presidents and we have prime ministers. And it's like a top-down kind of government. They have councils. Like we have Council Rock, for instance. There are Council Rocks all over the country because that's how they made their decisions. They gathered in council and they listened to each other's opinion and they made a decision together. We have so much to learn from them. Absolutely. We really do. Instead of letting politicians make our decisions. Yeah. Right. Theoretically, they're supposed to be listening to us, but. They don't. (laughs) (laughs) They never do. (laughs) They say they're listening. And and just as as an aside, Shapiro was just elected governor and he was elected on the premise that he would have um, one of the schools for kids where they don't have to go to public schools. They can go to other schools. And as soon as he got in, he backed out of that. That was Um, the prime reason he was elected. And as soon as he went the first week, he goes, nope, we're not doing that. So what are you supposed to do? Because you're electing them on certain things. You think they're going to do that. So it's it's typical everywhere. He's not the only one, but it's very frustrating because we do need um, for the poor people in Philly. We need to have more charter schools because they learn better in the charter school. And if their school's not good, they need a charter school. And he was supposed to do that. And he did. So there you go. What can I say? (laughs) So the Indians were much wiser. This particular council house in Franklin, North Carolina was big enough. It was round because, again, 
so much wisdom in that because then again, you're all equal because you're all in a great circle, right? right. It was big enough to hold 200 people. Oh, wow. So all the local people plus guests could fit in there. Mm. So I just think that that's so amazing. It really is. I wish we did more of that. And who exactly. knows, maybe in the future, we'll find a way to do it. I don't know, but. Um, so what, what are the plans for the future in helping to get this knowledge out there? Because there's so many people that aren't aware. So do you have any plans to be able to reach more people? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, well, things like this is one of the things I would like to do more of. I right. do, I do love to talk about this and, and I feel what's unique about my, my experience is because I've lived out West and I've traveled a lot. I have met people, I've been to sites, I have a breadth of knowledge that a lot of people don't have. Yes. You know, they might get it from reading or from one or two tribes that they used to live with. But I've lived on reservations. I lived with an elder. I dated mm -hmm. a Cheyenne man. You know, I lived in an area where there were a lot of dances. I mean, I would love to have opportunities to share what I've learned. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm looking for places to speak. I'm looking for places to speak. And I'd love to speak in schools, especially. Yes. Um, I'd love to do assemblies for young children, middle school and high school, because there are difficult subjects to talk about, too, which we didn't get into today. No, nope, no. But that the senior high uh, students sh should know about, you know, they should know about the massacres, the boarding school, the missing indigenous wisdom women. Yep. There's a lot of things that that would be really important for them to know in their history and social study classes. Absolutely. That knowledge is power. We need to know about this. We right. really do. It's important. So, well, that's great. So um, how can people reach you if they would like to uh, find out more about your journey, get a little bit more knowledge, how they reach you? Um, the, the website that's most current is called soul of Cynthia. Um, CynthiaGreb.com is also up. I don't think it has as much information. There's a long story that one had to go down for a while. So soul of Cynthia.com okay. is the best way place. Um, you can read a lot of blogs about my journey, um, about the sacred sites, about the mounds, about some of these massacre sites where I offered prayers. There's a lot. There's a lot there, and I am writing about all this too. Great. So, but I think speaking is is really my goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an emotional thing. You touch more people by speaking. Right. I believe. Yeah. That's so great. yes, and uh, and of course, if you have any questions or anything like that, uh, you can reach me on my email, which is cynthiagreb at gmail.com. My name perfect. at gmail.com. Perfect, perfect. So I'll have all of Cindy's contact information in the show notes in case you're out exercising, walking, whatever. You can look up the show notes and get all of her contact information. So thank you for joining me today, Cindy. It's been so enlightening to learn a little bit more about Native Americans because I just didn't know that much. I really didn't. So this has been great. I really appreciate that you had me on, Terry. And it's a pleasure to meet you. You're welcome. And I'm sure we'll do more in the future. Maybe we'll do another one and we'll get into some of the massacres and the deeper things at a future date. I wanted to keep this a little light, but they need to be sure. Too, so we can, sure. we can work on them at a future date. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, blessings to you and everybody here. Okay. Thank you so much.
We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old. Looking to take your podcast to the next level with video? Are you looking to develop a podcast but don't know where to start? From recording and editing to final distribution and marketing, we can help every step of the way to make your podcast stand out and get the results it deserves. Contact us today at premierpodcastpros.com to take your podcast to the next level.